It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back once again. Good to see you as well. A little bit overcast today. It has been. A beautiful bit of rain, though, over the weekend. It was quite lovely. Got caught out in it on Saturday night, but uh, the gardens are loving it. They would have been sopping it up. They, they will be. <laughs> and I think there's going to be a whole lot of growth uh, now that we're getting some warmer weather. That's good news. That means more mowing the lawns, I think. Yeah, which unfortunately, is not good news. you're going to have to do that. <laughs> Damn it. Scott Sharp, what do you got for us today? I thought we'd talk about, uh, well, it's getting towards Christmas. Yep. It certainly is. New South Wales Christmas bush. Uh, frangipanis are coming out in flower as well. Uh, what to do with your Christmas tree. And uh, what sort of melons do you like, mate? Oh, um, water. Maybe a old cantaloupe. Okay, well, I think we're going to talk about watermelons today as well. Then we've got Margaret from Mayfield. And Scott, she needs advice on how she can get rid of fruit fly from her tomatoes. <laughs> fruit fruit, fruit fly. fly. <laughs> Hello, Margaret. How are you going? Good, thanks. Are your little flies playing flutes over there? <laughs> well, we're only just picking the tomatoes now. Yes. It, um, yeah, um, and I'm, well, I, we haven't even cut any yet, but I can see they, some of them have had, got fruit, fruit fly in them. <laughs> That's catching. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, what's the best thing to do? Well, unfortunately, once it's in there, there's not a great deal you can do. Uh, fruit fly is one of those things you had to start treating. Yeah, well, I've still got a lot of fruit that excellent flowers. Yes, yeah. excellent. Okay, that that's fantastic. So you, there's still going to be uh, you know you're still going to be able to sort of save the day in that case. Uh, so yeah, look, you have to start treating fruit fly very very early on. Uh, it seems to be earlier and earlier every year. Uh, you know, as soon as you get that uh, that hard green fruit on there uh, it seems like you have to start dusting at that point in time Mm. as well now with fruit fly it's not just a sort of a one-off thing that you have to do you need to try and uh, um, you know provide a a number of sort of remedies there to try and keep it under control Uh, so one of those is that you can uh, generally spray if you want to Mm. Uh, one of the best things to do however is to uh, trap them and to do that you make up a a little trap Uh, uh, you can uh, buy them from the uh, you know from your uh, independent garden center and or you can actually make one up you know like with an old plastic container like you know a takeaway container and uh, you just punch a couple of holes in that and you make up a a little paste of vegemite and malathon and you put that in there and it actually attracts, the Vegemite attracts the female fruit fly in there and then it starts to have a feed of it. And of course the malathon gets it and it just turns upside down and dies. Uh, so you just have to refresh that every now and again. The other yeah. thing you can do when you're making up that uh, fruit fly paste, that Vegemite and uh, malathon paste, uh, you can actually get that and, and uh, you know smear it up and down the the uh, the steak that you've got the uh, the tomato yeah. going up, and that will uh, get rid of that as well. It'll help um, attract the fruit fly in and, uh, and yeah. get rid of it. Look, also very important. Any uh, you know fruit that have fallen on the ground, you get rid of those as well, um, because they're a major attractant uh, to fruit fly. Any rotting fruit on the ground, so make sure you get rid of that. Uh, look, if you know that there's some that are affected now, some uh, ripening fruit, I would discard that fruit straight away yeah. and uh, put it into a plastic bag and uh, put that into the garbage and then just start treating your, uh, you know, the hard green fruit that's on there at the moment. You can also use a dust if you want to. That that uh, provides a sort of a nice physical uh, barrier. But it's one of those things where you have to do a, a number of things to uh, to try and keep it under control. Okay. Um, could I ask you about a question about some orchids? Absolutely. I have um, oh, the ones that you you buy in the, the supermarket. Yes, yeah. And um, what do you do? Can you put the um, 
a fertiliser on them. Yeah, certainly. So the ones you're talking about are, are Phalaenopsis orchids. Some people, yes, yeah, some yes, people call and them, they're different sizes. Yeah, some yes. people call them moth orchids. They're, they are a really, really tough uh, indoor plant. I love when everyone, when anyone uh, asks about these because I can skite about how I've had one in my house now for six years I've had oh. six years. Well, I've got one that I've had for four. Okay. Ah, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll see you four and I'll raise you two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and look, they are a plant. If you find the right spot for them, they do very, very well. Yeah, well, it's my window sill in the kitchen. Yep, perfect. Uh, so mine's uh, north-facing, for instance, and it uh, gets dappled sunlight in the window and it's quite warm there. And uh, and then the uh, deciduous trees out the back drop their leaves in winter and it gets really nice and warm and, and uh, full sun. So, yes, you can fertilise them. There's no problem at all doing that. Uh, just make sure you get an orchid fertiliser and uh, just fertilise it as normal. Eventually, you might have to repot them as well. Uh, some of the ones that you get, uh, you know, in the supermarket, uh, they're often just uh, grown a little bit of sphagnum moss. There's not really... Yeah, they've only got really tiny... Yeah. Um, they're in really tiny little tins. Yeah, so there's not much to those. So often you have to uh, repot those and you get a, a nice open orchid mix, uh, one of the coarse orchid mix, and you uh, you uh, repot that and uh, you'll get a number of years. You'll get more than your four years. You'll get uh, you'll see your my six and probably raise me another two or three. <laughs> yes, yeah. good. Now, the other thing to do is if the flower dies back down on those, you uh, cut it back to the node. You'll see on the flower mm. stem there's like little nodes that come off there. Yeah. And you always cut back to one of those nodes and you'll get flower another flower stem sprouting from that next year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you very much for no, that. Not a problem. Thank you for that, Margaret. Okay. Okay, have a nice Bye. afternoon. Bye-bye. And we've got Helen from East Maitland. She's got a question about her... Poinsettia? Poinsettia. 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 Which is, I'm really good today with my dictionary. Well, we should just say it over and over until you get it right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Hello, Helen. How can we help you with your Poinsettia? <laughs> I'd like to know what to feed it. Yeah, so poinsettia is a pretty robust uh, sort of plant. They're actually a, a type of uh, euphorbia, and and you you work that out when you cut them because they have this white milky sap. Uh, so look to to feed them, you could just use uh, flourish. You know, it's a, a liquid fertilizer that you can get, and you mix it up in the watering can and give it a feed. Uh, otherwise, uh, look uh, osmocote or uh, is it in the ground or in a pot? The one you've got. Ground. In the ground. So, look, you could even use a bit of cow manure on that one if you wanted to. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, not a problem. Yep, so feed it away. Uh, and, of course, poinsettias uh, get the red leaves on them and the red bracts in winter here in Australia. You buy them at the shops now because they do something to them to make them red for Christmas here, but really oh, they're right. a, a plant that actually turns red or white or pink or whichever one you, you purchase uh, to, uh, in, in winter. But, uh, yeah, they do something to them. I don't know what they do. Dip them in dye. Yeah, like, like Mr. Freeze or something gives them a, <laughs> gives them a quick blast and, and, and they think it's uh, Christmas in, in Europe. But, yeah, certainly give it a feed and uh, they can grow into uh, quite a nice plant for you, Helen. Thanks for that. Here's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are at FM. You've got a question for Scott Sharp? You can give us a call on 4926216. And we've got Jeff from Awanji, and he needs to get rid of a weed in his lawn. Uh, how are you going, Jeff? How can we help you? Good, thanks, Scott. I've got this weed in my lawn. I, I got rid of it, I thought, last year, and I'm pretty sure it's called ricardia yes that's it yeah it's it's a type of weed and it, it mm. does get into into people's lawns and it is very very difficult to get rid of unfortunately uh, now what i used last year was uh, i went through a few different weed sprays that i had and i i had some uh, weed killer for buffalo lawns and yes. and uh 
that seemed to get rid of it, like it killed it. And uh, the thing that I noticed, the difference was that it seemed to have a fairly high uh, salt level. Yes. So, uh, but anyway, it did kill it, but now it's all starting to come back again. So, uh, any suggestions? Look, unfortunately, with the ricardia, it is it, it has sort of a lateral root system that it leaves down and underneath the soil. So, even though you're getting rid of it out of the top, um, it, it still will come back uh, like you had. And there may well also be some uh, seed that's been left in the soil as well. Look, the only thing I can suggest with it is to uh, you know just try and keep uh, going with one of those buffalo lawn type sprays. Uh, uh-huh. and, and just spraying that and hopefully you knock it on the head uh, try and pull it out as much as you possibly can as well uh, but look it is a very very difficult one to get rid of and there's nothing specifically out there uh, to get rid of it uh, in you know as a selective herbicide within Lord so uh, yeah unfortunately you do just have to continue using one of those buffalo sprays and just you know keep on knocking it backwards if you can yeah, okay then. All okay. right, so, look, I'm, I'm sorry I can't give you a definitive answer. Unfortunately, there uh, isn't, uh, you know, a chemical out there that'll that'll get rid of it, um, you know, sort of holus bolus for you. Yeah, okay then. Good. Okay, Thank good you. On. Sorry about that, Jeff. Uh, Cheers. That's all right. Bye. Then we've got David from Maitland. Now, Scott, apparently he sent us an email about a plant he's got growing. Hey, Dave, how can we help you? I'd love you to help me, but I don't think you can because I don't think the email's gone through. No, I haven't seen an email, but use your powers of description and tell us what's oh, happening, mate. God, my powers of description are pretty poor. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a green plant. Yep, yeah, okay, well, <laughs> but mate, we're, we're off to a flying start I thought here. That. Start. I did think that. You're, um, you're not going to score a duck with that, <laughs> with that sort of shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Um, uh, it's like a shrub, um, and it's it's fairly prickly. Yes. With um, like palm leaves on it. Yes. And in the centre, there's a um, a creamy coloured, and I imagine it's a flower. I've had this particular plant for for a number of years, and this is the first time it's ever happened. What I might do instead of waffling on here, I'll see if I can send the email again, and then I'll just listen to if you get it, you might be able to tell me what it is and what the. The, what oh, I should not, do with, not with it. that picture perfect description. No, no. I mean that, that was that was some br- some brilliant shots you've played there. I mean you you start off the mark with a six. Yeah, uh, I thought that. But, yeah, but, but look, I nice know cover drive. You, I know that you have amazing powers of deception, and I just thought I'd put them to the test. <laughs> no, I think it's deduction, isn't it? I, oh, uh, something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, look, it sounds like you might be talking about a psychad, but uh, look, we're going to hold our breath and see if we can get this email. See, see if we can get the email through. Yeah, okay, so oh. uh, I think it might be a psychad. Okay, but uh, let's not. Uh, let's yeah, not I, I think you're probably here. right, but I'm not sure. But okay. anyway, see how we go. I'll give it another try. With this NBN, anything's likely to happen. Uh, who knows who's got the message? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Scott. Good on you, Dave. Cheers. Cheers, Dave. We've got Don now from Merriweather, and he's got tomato bushes turning yellow. That doesn't sound too flash, uh, Don. How can we help you, mate? By giving me a solution to stop <laughs> turning yellow. Uh, right, uh, Scott, I'll give you a bit of background. Yep. They are growing in pots and uh, they're producing fruit. Yes. And uh, the leaves are turning yellow. They're getting plenty of water. Uh, I feed them with flourish and uh, they've had... Uh, sulfate of potash and also uh, dynamic lifter. So they're getting uh, feed and water, producing fruit, but the leaves are going yellow. Okay, look, we we have got an answer for you. (laughs) Green green paint, there we go. (laughs) 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 No doubt. It's no wonder... 
<laughs> no wonder you get sent out of the office. Yeah, I know. It's not good, is it? <laughs> Look, uh, tell me... I, I wondered whether that fella might have a Monsterio Delicio. It, it was green mm. that had something coming up the middle. And I thought, there. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's not a bad, uh, a bad uh, sort of uh, guess at it. That's a good yeah. guess, isn't it? Well, if, yeah. if it develops, cut it, and if it eats well, he's definitely got what he, what yeah. he needs. <laughs> if it's a cycad, though, it's not going to be too tasty for him. No, nah, well, you yeah. can always spit it out, can't you? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, look, uh, you, uh, you've said you've got these in pots, these tomatoes? Yes. Okay. So t- that, t- that way I can protect them from the possums. Yeah, and the other thing you're sort of protecting from there is uh, wilt as well because, uh, you know, you can get that uh, in, into the soil and tomatoes... Um, you can also get nematodes as well, which is another problem. But if you're using fresh potting mix, then that's uh, generally not a problem. Uh, so are these uh, leaves dying from the top or from the bottom? Oh, literally all over. They're all over, are they? Yeah. Uh, and, and when did it start? I know we've had a few hot days as well. I'm just wondering if oh. you might have got a bit stressed at that point in time. Probably, probably about a week or so ago. Right, okay. Uh, look, the only thing I could suggest for you is, uh, you know, to get a fungicide, if you've got one in the garage, uh, Mancozeb or uh, copper oxychloride, and give it a spray just to protect against any fungal disease they might have, and then okay. just continue on with the watering to make sure they're really nice and uh, well watered. Uh, tomatoes yep. like nice, even watering, you know, they don't like a you know a huge drink in the middle of the day, for instance, and then you know, nothing, um, you know, for a couple of days. They're one of those plants that like nice, even watering because they are such a fleshy plant and the fruit's obviously so fleshy and relies on constant moisture as well. So, yeah. look, I'd be doing that. I think because you've got them in pots, we're sort of ruling out, uh, you know, that it's wilt uh, or that it's... Um, uh, nematodes like I was talking about before. Uh, wilt usually comes uh, from the top of the... Uh, from the top of the plant, and you sort of get grey sort of veins down through the leaves as they yeah. turn yellow. Oh, I don't know. Uh, they're just yellow leaves. and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, look, Without the, going and taking a photo and sending it by email to you and well, look, uh, that, that running is... the risk of NBN. Yeah, <laughs> look, that... NBG, that's what it's called. <laughs> I think we can work out what that stands for. You can for. W- work out what that is. Yeah, yeah. We, we, don't, yeah we, we can work that out pretty easily. Uh, <laughs> but look, give, give that a try. If you do want to take a few photos and send it in, um, uh, you can do that. And uh, Greg, our uh, handy uh, barrel email assistant here, is going, <laughs> going to give us the... Uh, this is like Delvin Delaney here in the studio. He's fantastic. Very similar. Yeah, very similar. <laughs> very similar. And, and tell him I have one of those points setter. But which is a cross between a tree and a dog. It's a poinsettia tree in the background. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> Don's on fire today. <laughs> so if you give us our email address. Which is gardening at 2 com. Okay, then. Yep. If, you, if you can get that into us, we'll certainly have a talk about it. We'll have a look at those photos and just see if I can figure out exactly what it is. Thank you very much. Okay. Good on you, Don. Thank you for the call, mate. Okay, okay. bye. Bye-bye. You won't end up having a full email box. Oh, that'd be fantastic. There, yeah, that's that's great, isn't it? That's what it's there for. Exactly. Yeah, it makes it a little bit more visual, and then we can uh, we can both have a look at it and talk about it. That's right, and we don't get to hear descriptions like Dave's. <laughs> Dave's description <laughs> was pretty good, though. It was on the mark, though. The plant was green. Yep. The, Enough the, said. The yellow thing coming out in the middle, so it's either the cycad or the monsterio. 
Oh, that's what I'm, put, I'm putting my bets on one of those. All right, it's got to be one yeah, of the two. One each way. And we've got Joyce from Tanilba Bay, and she's got a question about geraniums. We don't get questions about geraniums very often, do we? Oh, it's a nice surprise. Yeah. How can we help you, Joyce? Yeah, yeah I've done, I have some geraniums in pots, and even though they're all in flower, I've got some beautiful colours out. Uh, they're looking a bit scraggly. Is it, would it be okay if I was to repot them at this stage or leave it be? How, how flowery are they at the moment, Joyce? Oh, just 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 a you know one or two or not not, not flushing like they yeah. normally are. Okay, well look, they're, they're, you can you can certainly repot them if you want to. That's that's not a problem at all. Uh, look, they're always a bit hard to repot though, aren't they? Because they're so. I mean, this is it with geraniums. They're an incredibly tough plant. They withstand the beating sun. You know, you don't have to water yep. them too much. I was going to say at all, but that's not quite true. Uh, but they still get these beautiful, you know, masses of flowers out of them. So a great hot spot uh, sort of plant. But uh, when you go to repot them, you have to be a little bit careful because they can be a little bit uh, fragile, I guess. Tem- is, yeah. Temperamental? Yeah, okay. Well, they're not, not temperamental. It's just you can actually easily break them because they uh, sort of are quite a fleshy plant when you get in there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so just be careful about the way you repot them. But, uh, yeah, certainly at the moment uh, you can go for it. Yeah, repot away. Oh, good. And okay. they, they'll, they'll probably come good sort of towards the end of summer. That'll be lovely. Yeah, and look, you can pick off some of those yellow leaves if you want to. You can even give them a very slight prune back. But look, if they're in flower, uh, probably best just to live well enough alone and uh, enjoy mm-hmm. the flowers that are coming on them. Okay, and if you're, all right. And if you're clever and gentle enough, then you, uh, can, you can probably repot them without breaking the flowers. Okay. Okay. Good. Thank you for your time. Okay, bye-bye. good on you, Joyce. Have a nice afternoon. Bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Carolyn from Valentine, and she's got a question about vibraniums. Viburnums. 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 <laughs> I feel like I'm almost being nasty to you. I'm, I'm correcting you. I feel like I'm back at school <laughs> doing punctuation. Yeah, well, yep. I'm getting a quick whip across the uh, knuckles with the cane very soon if you don't get this right, mate. <laughs> How can we help you, Carolyn? Uh, we have a beautiful hedge of viburnum. Yes, yep, yep. And... Um, <laughs> And um, it's got red spider mite on it. It actually gets red spider mite um, every year, and we've been using a product, and I can't remember the name of it, but apparently now it's been banned because it's harmful. So I'm just wondering what we can replace that particular product with to... Um, control the red spider mite. Yeah, so uh, look, and the reason viburnum gets uh, red spider so badly is it's actually uh, very closely related to azaleas, and we all know how badly azaleas get red yeah. spider. It virtually t- turns them silver. That's so, right. Yeah, so, well, it does the viburnums too. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. so yeah, you've sort of got a bit of a, a strife-ridden plant there at about this time of year. So uh-huh. uh, look, the thing you probably were using was called insect and mite killer. It used to be called roger back in the day. Right. And it's a systemic spray. Uh, look, yeah, you really can't get that anymore. Uh, so the other product you can use now, and it's much, much sort of safer. It's not an insecticide that's necessarily going to harm the bees or anything. Uh, it's called Eco Oil. Is it as effective as um, Roger? Uh, well, look, nothing's as effective as old Roger was. Uh, <laughs> it would almost take the uh, take the paint off the Harbour Bridge if you gave it half a chance. Uh, yeah, so, look, <laughs> so it was a bit of a rogue, was it? it? It was a bit of a rogue, and I guess there's there's a reason it's not lurking around anymore because it was yeah. a systemic spray. It would be absorbed in, uh, you know, can be easily absorbed in as well on uh, mm-hmm. you know, into, into humans as well, and it would build up in the system of plants. So, look, uh, Eco Oil, maybe not as effective, but it certainly does work. Uh, okay. You just have to uh, mix that up as usual uh, in, with water and just spray it all around. Uh, you don't have to be too worried about if there's bees around because it's not really going to be harmful in that case. Okay. All 
right. Okay. Well, uh, that's great. Thank yes, you so, very much, Yes, Scott. so give uh, Eco Oil a try. And, uh, yes, uh, we will. Yeah, okay. Good on you. Thank you. Thanks, Carolyn. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. And we've got Marilyn from Wanji. And she's got a question about, is it posh on fruit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's going to get a wrap across the knuckles again soon. <laughs> How can no, we help you, Marilyn? Passion fruit. I have um, a very big passion fruit vine. It's only been in probably just over a year, 14 mm-hmm. months. Absolutely covered in passion fruits, but they're not changing to purple. That's all right. Don't, don't be too concerned about that now. You've got the passion fruit on there at the right time. What we're yep. really just waiting for now is some of those, uh, you know, really nice warm baking summer days to actually ripen the fruit up for you. Oh, right. So, yeah, so look, often people will ring up, uh, you know, in April uh, and May and go, oh, we've got passion fruit on there, but it's not ripening. And, and our answer to that usually is, well, look, I'm sorry, it's not going to now because we're into the winter months and it's not really the season for it. But fortunately, yours has done the right thing. Uh, it's uh, got the passion fruit on there now. And uh, so if you just wait nice and patiently there, hope for some nice, uh, you know, sort of 30 degree days like we've been starting to crank up. Yeah. Uh, yours, okay. yours will definitely start to ripen. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Thank Good you. on you, Marilyn. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. So we've got Terry from Bado Bay. He's got a question about the Laquat tree. <laughs> Is uh, that right? Oh, God, Terry, you Terry, can you pronounce um, it properly for Greg? Terry? Locut. Locut tree. Okay, thank you. You put yeah. me on the wrong... <laughs> I, I asked you about this before the break. <laughs> no way. And I said, what's this? And you've gone Laquat yeah, tree. No, yeah, you tell the um, judge, mate. Tell the judge. It's been stitched yeah. up again here. <laughs> How can yeah, we help you with it, Terry? Um, I, I bought a, um, a locut tree plant um, about five or six years ago. Supposedly it was a grafted plant, mm-hmm. and um, it just continues to grow in height, but it's never um, flowered or had any fruit or anything. And I was just wondering, might it be that someone's just sold me a dud that just grew from a seed, or do I have to wait X number of years before it um, starts bearing fruit? Uh, look, that's entirely possible that, that, you know, no names, no pack drill, but uh, did, look, when you bought it, did you notice that it was, you know, visibly grafted down the bottom, uh, around the base uh, of the trunk? No, I didn't take a lot of notice, no. Okay. No, I don't, and maybe that's the issue. Yeah, and, and look, it is difficult to tell after, you know, that this amount of time. Usually the graft sort of, you know, sort of grows out. You just don't mm. notice it so much anymore. Um, look, as as far as, um, pardon me, as growing... Um, as fruiting, I, I would think that yes, they're a plant that uh, won't fruit for uh, you know a, a few years. Um, but five years, you should be starting to get some uh, fruit out of the plant. Um, yeah. Look, the other thing I would do: what are you fertilising it with? Oh, no, just uh, the same sort of stuff that I throw around the lemon tree and that sort of. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. For, for citrus stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Look, that, that's. But I mean that. Yeah, I mean that real black sort of um, sandy soil. I didn't know whether that might have. Had a bearing on it. It looks healthy enough. No, no, look, that, um, that, that should be fine. I was just thinking if it's got a lot of green leafy growth on it, you know, you might be using grass clippings or something, and it's you know really something really high in nitrogen. But if you're just using yeah, the stuff no. you're using on uh, citrus, that's fine. Look, you could also go out and get some sulfate of potash. It promotes fruiting and flowering in any plant, um, so you know it'd be fine to use on your citrus as well. Uh, and, okay. and give that a crack. Um, look, uh, also a little bit of cow manure as well is going to be quite um, good for a locust tree. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, otherwise than that, I'll probably just, um, you know, they do make quite a nice tree. They get about eight metres tall in the end, so they'll get quite tall. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I guess but it, bit... it, will, it, it will bear fruit one day, maybe. Yes, it will, yeah. Look, yeah. even a, a seed grow plant will bear fruit. You usually just have to wait a little bit, little bit longer. Longer. Uh, look, for instance, mm-hmm. with avocados, you know, apparently you wait nine years with those buggers. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's quite a long period of time to wait to get a bit yeah. of fruit and an avocado off there. But the price of those at the moment, maybe you should be uh, waiting <laughs> nine, nine years. Nine years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, okay, that's all good. I'll, uh, I'll persevere then. Okay, good on you. Appreciate your help. Thank okay, you. Okay, thank you for that, Terry. Cheers. Well, we've got Jerry from Terrigal, and he needs advice about soil. Soil, okay. You got that one right, Greg. You pronounced <laughs> Finally. We're not going to throw him on the, under the bus on that one, are we? <laughs> Is it soil? <laughs> okay, Jerry, how can we help you? G'day, Greg. Good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for taking my call. Uh, we're building a new home, and... Uh, the the, uh, the soil is very sandy it's down near, it's down near Terrigal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I was thinking, as a novice, is probably getting uh, a tiller or something and turning everything over, getting rid of the old grass, which is very basic grass, and uh, putting in like fertilizer, like after graze, or if you've ever heard of that product, and um, and other things to boost the soil up. What would you suggest, please? Yeah, look, what, what I'm thinking for you is, is it, uh, it sounds like you've got that really sandy soil. You'd actually need to get some sort of organic matter uh, in there, more or less. And yeah, look, certainly if you've got, if you've got some of that fertilizer, uh, yeah, feel free to use that to build the soil up. But it might be worth, you know, getting, uh, you know, if you can get in, a, you know, a, a truck or you know whatever how much you need, uh, you know, of just some cow manure or some poultry manure to actually try and get some orga- organic matter into that soil. They do have a long, they, along a main road, they sell it for like $3 a bag. The local people do that. Yeah. So I suppose I could start, but it probably needs a lot, but wouldn't it? Yeah, and that's why I was thinking maybe some sort of landscape supply business uh, okay. you know, d- down your way. You know, they often will have access to, uh, uh, you know, to those sort of bulk quantities of manure. Look, the other thing about uh, when you're getting manure like that from the side of the road is that it's not uh, usually heat treated. And uh, so you can get a lot of weeds being introduced into your garden. So you do have to be careful about that. Thank you. I've heard that. Look, you've been terrific. And thank you for every, everybody there. And thank you to you. Thank you. And uh, I really appreciate your information. Okay, not a worry, uh, Jerry. Good, good afternoon. Okay, have a nice afternoon, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we've got John now from Lawn, and he's got a question about a Japanese box. Hey, John, how can we help you? Oh, good afternoon, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I've got some Japanese box around a garden, uh, and they're turning yellow, and the leaves sort of curling up, and they're dying. Um, now, the box in particular in this garden have probably been in for a year and a half, um, and they just seem to go one after the other. Like one got sick, we took it out, replaced it, and that was probably three weeks ago, and then... The next two have actually caught the same disease. I was just wondering if you knew what it might be and what yeah. I could do. Yeah, look, so uh, these Japanese box, they actually can get, it's, we just call it Buxus blight, uh, and it's a fungal disease that they get. Uh, look, some people think that it's a, you know, they look at it and think, oh, it must be some sort of insect going through it, but it's actually not. And it just, it looks like, uh, you know, a section of it will just die off, the leaves start to, um, you know, drop off on there. And uh, mm-hmm. you just get these sort of bare patches throughout it. So it's, we call it Bucks's blight. Uh, you need some sort of fungicide to get rid of that. Uh, have you got anything at home? or? 
Oh, no, but I'll go and get some. Yeah, okay. So, look, uh, Mancosib Plus is probably going to be the best one to get for that. It's uh, sort of a powdery thing. You mix it up in water and just spray that all over. Uh, there's other ones you can use as well. There's one called Fungarid, uh, and that's a systemic fungicide. So you can mix that up also. You can water that all over the plant and down into the soil, mm-hmm. and it will also be absorbed up. So Fungarid's a very, very good one to, uh, to get to try and get rid of uh, Buxus blight. Fungarid. Right, yeah, thanks for that. Okay, Bye. good on you. Thanks Cheers. for that, John. Bye-bye. It is Gardening Talk back on 2 and URFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. Now, at the top of the hour, Scott, you mentioned New South Wales Christmas bush. Yes, I did. And then you decided you'd go all Mexican on me and say, is there a... Victorian bush. Is there an ACT Christmas bush? Well, I don't know about the ACT Christmas bush. I'm not that... um, There's a Christmas bush just for New South Wales. I'm not that au fait with all the state's Christmas bush around (laughs) Australia. Um, But yes, there is a Victorian Christmas bush. Right. Yes, and it's quite a a pretty little plant. I uh, didn't realise there was a Victorian Christmas bush until you asked me that question and we did some research here. We scoured through books and encyclopedias and and went to the big library down the back and... Yeah, found it. We dusted off the the books and found (laughs) it. Uh, It's actually a prostanthera, Lassianthus, and it's a really nice-looking little plant. Um, but I was going to talk about New South Wales Christmas bush because you're seeing that out in flower at the moment. Can you get yes the Victorian Christmas bush in New South Wales, or once it comes, crosses the border, does it become the New South Wales Christmas bush? No, it's no, no. Plans don't work that way. Um, right. Okay. Well, so they have to like put a, a fake hat on or something. I when think they we cross might. We, I think we'll have to sit back later on and have a little chat about this, <laughs> about how how things work, mate. Okay. About the birds and the bees. The bees. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, but no. Look, you can still bring your prostanthera from uh, Victoria and here into New South Wales. It will grow very, very nicely for you, but it will still be called the Victorian Christmas bush. Right. Okay. People might not like it. Um, it's a little bit like bringing AFL here into New South Wales, but it still will grow. It'll grow. Yes. Eventually, people will like it. Yes, sort of a stunted version, but it will grow, <laughs> yes. Uh, look, New South Wales Christmas bush, it's really, really common at this time of year. Everyone's seeing it at the moment because uh, it's just a mass of red flowers around the place. Don't go and pinch people's as well. Yeah, don't. Yeah, that's, no, no, go and ask. Knock on the door in the Christmas spirit and say, I've just noticed your New South Wales Christmas bush. It looks beautiful in flower. Might I have some of it for my kitchen yeah. bench, please? Can I have a snip, please? Can I have a snip? That'd be the nice way to do it rather than stealing back at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and, do, and doing that. <laughs> under uh, the cover of night. Under the cover of darkness, yes. Uh, look, a fantastic um, plant. Um, they get about, oh, about six to eight metres uh, around here. They're very prevalent up around... Uh, uh, Nelson's Bay, and the reason yep. for that is because of the lovely sandy soil up there. So New South Wales Christmas bush love very, very sandy soil. They don't like wet clay soil or wet feet. You'll find uh, they'll very quickly turn up their toes and die on you if you try and plant them into a huh. into a very sort of moist, damp spot. Yep. Uh, try and plant them on top of a hill, for instance, where the drainage is good. Uh, if your drainage is not fantastic, not make a nice sort of mound and uh, plant them up on that mound just to at least to try and get them going uh, and they're not sitting down in really soggy conditions. But uh, if you can get one to, to grow, uh, look quite an attractive plant all year round, but especially at this time of year, uh, and just watch people at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning pinching stuff on you. <laughs> Put, oh, <laughs> lost my voice then. Lost my swallow my tongue. Put a bit of CCT TV was what I was going to say. Yes, that would be a good idea, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I wish I said that two seconds earlier. <laughs> Well, I think we've got time for one more caller, Scott, and it's a Trish from Bacolbin, and she's got a question about a Mariah hedge. Hey, Trish, how can we help you? Hello, Scott. Um, I have had two 
Maria plants removed from my hedge to put some steps in, oh, yeah, okay. and the person that removed them poured some poison over the stumps so that they would not shoot again. Yes. But I get the feeling that the poison has leached into the soil, and the two plants either side seem to be dying. I put sea salt on, but is there anything else I can do? Uh, look, not really. All you can do is just continue to water those plants that are uh, sort of next door, the neighbours mm. of your, your plant. Uh, look, mm -hmm. just a, a, a quiet word for whoever did the cutting and poisoning next time. Um, usually what we do is uh, you, uh, you cut your plant off and then you actually drill down into the trunk. Mm -hmm. And there's a product called Tree and Blackberry Killer and you just put a little bit of that down in there. <laughs> And uh, it gets absorbed down into the root system. So it doesn't actually affect the plants next door. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're just sort of willy-nilly pouring zero, for instance, uh, yeah. you know, all around it, yes, it will affect the plants next door. So you mm. do have to be a little bit careful with that. Mm. So do you think there's a, there is a chance of saving them? Uh, yes, but uh, water's going to be about the only thing. Don't put any more fertiliser on there because that's just going to stress the plant out even more. Right, but the sea soil's not good. Uh, look, it's, it, look, if you've done it, um, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. Just just mm -hmm. leave it leave it alone now. But uh, right. lots and lots of water. Essentially, you're trying to dilute it and flush yep. that poison out okay. of the soil. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much, Scott. Okay, thank you very much. Cheerio for that, now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, Trish. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you RFM. Scott Sharp, we are almost out of time for another week. But is there anything you'd like to have? We've got Christmas coming up. We have got Christmas coming up. Do we have to start looking at our trees? or? Well, yes, it is time to, uh, I suppose, get your tr Christmas tree and start decorating. Uh, the shops have had them there for about two months I now. I they've but been they, there since Easter. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's the way it works these days. Uh, but with live Christmas trees, you have to be a little bit more careful about that. And a live Christmas tree inside is really, really nice. We'll probably talk about it a little bit more uh, next week. Uh, because you just have to be careful about the way you uh, care for it inside. Yep. And also after it's finished, after Christmas is finished, about taking it back outside if you want to continue using it for next year. But uh, certainly a good choice out in the, in the shops and the garden centres at the moment. Uh, there's lots of different varieties you can get. Uh, little blue spruce is quite a cute little one. Blue spruce. Little blue, blue spruce. Yeah, it's a really nice sort of grey, bluey sort of foliage on there. Uh, very slow growing, so it's ideal, I guess, as a Christmas tree. It's not going yep. to sort of, you know, between now and next Christmas shoot up into this sort of um, Jack and the Beanstalk sort of monster on you. It uh, still... Destroy the entire living room. Yeah, it'd be probably best to take it outside before it does that. Uh, so yeah, blue spruce is a, is a really nice one. Uh, Picea abies is a, a Nor you know Norway spruce is a another slow growing one with a really nice shape to it. And of uh, of course the old Norfolk Island pine. We'll talk about it a little bit more next week. Right, yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, never had a live Christmas tree. Well, we'll have to start with uh, tinsel and baubles and stuff on. Well, it's nearly looking that way in here at the it's moment. Looking at it, little Rudolph over there. This is Scott Sharp, thank you very much. I'll see you next week. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.